0: I want to talk about something, really, I feel like it's very important, kind of, in, in the hour that we're in. Um, I, I want to talk about, and, and it's, it's probably, it may feel like for some, a touchy subject, um, but, you know, with recent events, uh, with our election, um, there's been a lot of talk about prophecy, and specifically, uh, the prophetic words that have been given uh, that were given about uh, President Trump. And so today, I, I wanna talk about prophecy. And um, let me be very clear, okay, very, very clear. I am not going to defend or refute any prophetic words concerning Trump's reelection. okay? That's not what this is about today. Um, what I do want to cover is specifically, if you guys would get the PowerPoint up for me, please, um, is how to evaluate failed prophecy. Now, again, some, I'm sure you might be having an emotional response, you know, visceral sensation as you imagine what I'm going to say. Today, and again, I want to be absolutely clear. I'm not saying, I'm not going to say that the Trump prophecies were false, and I'm not going to say that they were true. Okay? And if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, there were several uh, prophetic people and ministries across the nation that prophesied that Trump would be reelected. Okay? Many, many, many voices. But. As we saw, Biden was inaugurated on January 20th. Some are joyous about this fact, some are dismayed. But no matter how you feel, I want to remind us of something very important in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2. It commands us to pray for our leaders. It says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications Prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly, dignified in every way. This is your Bible. No matter how you feel about this election, no matter how you feel about its outcome and how we got to where we're at, it's irrelevant when it's in the face of God's word. We pray for our leaders. That means we pray for Joe Biden. That means we pray for Kamala Harris. And we pray for all our Congress and all of our Senate representatives, our governor, our state and local government leaders. Listen, hatred is not going to pave the way for the coming of the Lord. God will not bring an awakening and a revival across our land when we have hatred, which, by the way, Jesus calls murder. He will not pave the way. There will not be a revival. There will not be an awakening if we have hatred in our hearts for those we disagree with. Do you hear what I'm saying? Whether you are Republican or Democrat or none, there is no place for hatred in the hearts of God's people. It is murder. Stop it. Now this is a tumultuous time. Which means it is a time for humility. This is a time and an hour for repentance as a nation. And in this tumultuous time, we do not have permission to stop being Christians. Now, as I said before, some are joyous and hopeful. Some are confused and grieving right now. And it's in moments like this where our beliefs are challenged and our attitudes easily get caught up in the emotional response of, of having our beliefs shaken. It's in this moment that we need to go to the Word of God and get some clarity Amen. and comfort and guidance. Amen? Yes, absolutely. So, why should we talk about failed prophecy? Well, first of all, the Bible talks about prophecy and if the Bible talks about it, then we should talk about it too. That's simple. Number two, the Bible also talks about authentic, godly, prophetic gifts and ministry in an optimistic way. And therefore, we need to know how to respond to true prophecy as well as well as failed prophecy. And then number three reason is that we as a church here at New Covenant, we as a church believe in the impartation and the use of prophetic gifts. We believe in this church that Jesus still gives His church apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to mature and to equip the body of Christ for works of ministry. Prophetic gifts, prophetic ministry, and prophetic anointing is in the very DNA of this church. Our our purpose, our mission as a church, it began with the prophetic ministry of apostles and prophets. This church. Prophetic ministry is absolutely ordained of God. And it is in the very foundation of our church. Therefore, I do not want to see authentic, prophetic ministry misunderstood, mishandled, or maligned. So we need to see what the Bible has to say when prophecy doesn't come true so that we can avoid some of these problems. Amen? Now, I have to be honest for a moment. When it comes to the prophecies about Trump and his re-election. I'm not super familiar with most of them. I, have not, I'm, I'm, I haven't scoured and, and drove, You know, figured out every one of them. Um, I'm really only one person that I know of. I'm not saying that's the only one, but I know that I heard that Trump would be re-elected was Chris Vallotton. Now, I know others have. And as for his response, I am aware that Chris was, uh, had humbly admitted that he was wrong. So if you haven't seen that, I encourage you to go out there. Another prophetic voice that I respect is Lance Walnow, and he was one of only three people who prophesied that Trump would become president in the first election. Now, I believe that Lance has strongly declared that he believed Trump was uh, King Cyrus, like in Isaiah 45. Uh, but I don't think he ever gave a thus says the Lord kind of moment, right? But I, I, like I said, I, I'm aware that others have. But for many people <clears throat> who uh, believe in the gifts of prophecy and believe that Trump would be a reelected, they have been Shaken. And I'm sure many of us have heard and seen online about how we should uh, be treating false prophets, right? Now, if you've spent any time, any, any amount of years growing up in a charismatic church and you heard teaching on false prophecy, you know that there's only one response to false prophecy and a false prophet death. Right? (laughs) Death. That's the only outcome. And let me show you where that death sentence comes from. That was a joke, so you all can laugh. (laughs) But it's in Deuteronomy 13. Okay? Starting in verse 1. I'm going to read the whole thing. Says, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God, and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery, to make you leave the way in which, you, uh, in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Everybody say, whoa. That's heavy. We also have got another one in Deuteronomy 18.20. It says, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Everyone say, whoa. Now, we need to take a little closer look at this, especially this verse in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 1820. So, the Hebrew word that is translated or is the Hebrew word va. And this word is a coordinating conjunction which means it can be translated as and together with that is then and of course or. So, Another way to faithfully translate this verse is like this. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak and who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. It's the word va. So when we read these death To the false prophets' commands. Is the Lord commanding Israel to kill a prophet for saying something that was inaccurate or didn't come true? Or did God command that they be killed for another reason? I believe it's for another reason. And I believe we can see in both of these passages what that reason is. Let's look at Deuteronomy 13 again. It says, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, let us serve them, And then in Deuteronomy 18, again, it says, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak and who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. The reason false prophets got the death sentence was because of idolatry. they were outwardly calling people to worship other false gods. And in Israel, whenever a person was caught sacrificing or worshiping a false god, it was met with the death penalty. So, next question. Why did God attach the death penalty specifically to these false prophets? Well, it's because many false prophets actually performed miraculous signs. Sometimes what they prophesied actually came true. Now, that's the stuff that makes people stand in awe. That's the kind of stuff that garners a following. That's the kind of stuff that gives someone influence in the lives of other people. So, read again, Deuteronomy 13. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign and, or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, okay? Okay. So we're talking about a false prophet who prophesied, who said something, came to pass, gave a sign, gave in a wonder. But then he says, now let's go after other gods, which you have not known. You see, it was a real thing for signs and wonders to happen with some of these false prophets. And God knows that the supernatural moves people's hearts. So in order to protect his people, he added the idolatry clause so they would know the real prophets from the false ones. Leading people away from God to other gods is idolatry. And that is what made these people false prophets. That is why God dealt so harshly with these people. This is not about saying something that didn't happen. This is about leading people to worship other gods. Prophesying things that don't come true do not completely make one a false prophet. And I'm going to talk about this in a moment, okay? But this is still important today. Listen, because I think we are quick to label and judge people as false prophets when they say things that don't come true. And unfortunately, in that graceless, merciless judgment, there is a kill the prophets thinking in the back of our mind, because that's what we were taught. Now, of course, we all believe ourselves to be, you know, more civilized than these barbarians, (laughs) right, from ancient times. So, uh, you know, we don't imagine ending the lives of anyone who got it wrong, but uh, we are definitely into character assassination. We are into ministry assassination, Cancel culture is alive and well and very strong in our judgments when people make mistakes. It's hard to understand why mercy and grace applies to every aspect of our lives in God except when it comes to prophecy. I believe that if God grants us the grace to prophesy, and to speak on His behalf, then He also gives us the grace to make mistakes. Amen. Preaching, teaching, prophesying, they are all gifts that require grace. Preaching, teaching, prophesying, they are all gifts that require All right, all together. Grace. Grace. They require supernatural ability from God. God gives people the ability to speak on his behalf. And we know, listen, we have confidence. We know that he trusts us to do this by the very fact that he empowers us to do it. If God gives grace for us to teach, to preach, to prophesy, and act as his spokesperson or act as his uh, mouthpiece on his behalf, but he doesn't give us equal amounts of grace to make mistakes, then we have just nailed the coffin on anyone ever teaching again, ever preaching again, and ever prophesying ever again. Who wants to try to live up to that? I have suffered from perfectionism my whole life, and I know I can't live up to this one. If perfection in speaking on behalf of God is only what is accepted and only what is expected, then we are now elevating subjective prophetic words to the same authority as written Scripture. There's only one perfect perfect word in the, in the in the world and it's in the Bible. But if we're going to say you have to be perfect in everything you teach, everything you preach, everything you prophesy, and that's the only thing we accept, then you've just said everything that comes out of your mouth is the same as scripture. And I have to give it the same authority in my life as I do the word of God. That's wrong. That's the danger of not allowing grace for someone to misrepresent or misspeak on God's behalf. Listen, God knows we're going to make mistakes. I mean, it's in the Bible. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, he says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. People, this is the only grace we got. This is all we got right here to prophesy and to teach and preach on God's behalf is to know it in part. This is all we got. And if you expect me or Eric or Shelly or anyone else to preach perfect truth every Sunday, then you have made us into your God. If you expect every prophet to prophesy only perfect prophecies, then you have made them into God. Because there is no one perfect but one. It is the Lord himself. We can even say that the Bible is perfect in its revelation of God and the gospel. But here's the problem. We don't perfectly understand it. That's right. We don't perfectly even interpret it. Right. This is exactly why God gives grace to his people to speak on his behalf. So that they can help explain and declare God's intentions. Are you tracking with me? And since we only have enough grace to know and prophesy in part, it takes many different voices to fully reveal the perfect one. This is why we need the five-fold ministry. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, then let the first be silent. For you all, say all, say all again, for you all, you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. This is the grace that's given to us. Why would we need to weigh what is said if the only prophecy allowed is perfect prophesying? Are we making sense here? Why? Why would we need to talk about it and discuss it and pray about it? If it's never going to be... I'm never going to miss it. You know, the word weigh, it means to judge... Or evaluate discerningly. We weigh the prophecy, and if we weigh it and it's wrong, we deal with the prophecy. We're not weighing the prophet, we're weighing the prophecy. We're evaluating what was said, not the one who said it. We have grace to speak on God's behalf, and we have grace to make mistakes. Now, does this give us a license to be careless, arrogant, cavalier in speaking on God's behalf? Absolutely not. We are warned over and over in Scripture to be careful with what we say. Ecclesiastes 5.2, be not rash with your mouth. Everybody just say that. Be not rash with your mouth. We could just stop there. Let's just take that one home today one. for the week, okay? Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. James 3, one, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Matthew 12.36 I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for what? Every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. This is not about being careless with what we say in the pulpit and what we say when we're prophesying in the back or on the street or wherever. It matters. But we have grace when we in faith, and in humility, step out. Now, are there real false prophets in the world? You better believe it. Are there false teachers in the world? Yep, they are out there too. But listen, well-meaning, humble-hearted people who speak on God's behalf and get it wrong are not false prophets. They are not false teachers. Now, let's look at the Bible a little more here. I want, I want to look at some more biblical precedents. When you read the Old Testament, you'll discover that there are times recorded in Scripture when something was prophesied and it didn't happen. Case in point is in Deuteronomy chapter 7, which we're going to read. Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. Moses prophesies that God will give Israel seven nations. They will drive them out. But we learn in in Joshua 15, 63, that that God was unable to do it. So let's read this. Deuteronomy 7, it says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy. Now, like I said, in Joshua fifteen sixty-three we learn specifically that the Jebusites are still in Jerusalem. And the Jebusites are what? They're one of the seven nations that God prophesied would be driven out in Deuteronomy 7. Joshua 15, 63, it says, But the Jebusites, the inhabitants of where? Jerusalem. The people of Judah could not drive out. So the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah, Jerusalem, to this day. Now, here's some background. You've got to read Judges to understand what happened. It says in Judges one it says, The men of Judah attacked Jerusalem and also took it. They put the city to the sword and set it on fire. So, the men of Judah actually did go in, they went into Jerusalem, and fought against the Jebusites. However, what happened was that the men of Judah, instead of staying in Jerusalem, they went with the tribe of Simeon to go capture some more land, instead of staying in Jerusalem. So when they left, instead of staying in their absence, the Jebusites returned and they never left. Judah was never fully conquered as God prophesied it would happen through Moses in Deuteronomy 7. Why did that happen? Was Moses a false prophet? Shake your head no if you think no. No, he's not a false prophet. He's not. Because what he said didn't come to pass, does that make him a false prophet? Should they have killed Moses for not speaking the truth? Well, they couldn't. <laughs> he was already dead before they <laughs> went in, so this prophecy couldn't even be judged until after, you know, post mortem, right? Posthumous. But we. Actually, really learn what happened in Judges chapter 2. It says, Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of of this land. You shall break down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. Basically, what's happening is the angel of the Lord is criticizing them for their lack of faith in completing the conquest of the land. And because of that, He withdrew his supernatural assistance. He had promised them victory over every enemy, right? Every enemy that they chose to engage. But they lacked the faith to make it so. It wasn't that God lacked the ability. Or it wasn't that Moses was a false prophet. That's not why it didn't come true. It's because the people lacked faith. Basically, I mean, the the angel of the Lord saying, in effect, you know, fine. If you want them living among you, so be it. But they will be thorns in your side and their gods will be a snare. So why did that prophecy that pro- Moses prophesied not come true? The people lacked faith to do it. Most of you know Dennis Kramer. He's a gifted prophet that we've had here several times through the years. When he teaches about prophecy, he teaches that there Uh, Most prophecies have two parts. One part is God's part, and only He can do it, and you can't make it happen. And then one part is our part, and God won't do our part. So, how many times do we see failed prophecies and we want to blame the prophet when, in fact, we failed to do our part. That's right. That's right. That's we failed to be in faith. We failed to take the steps to move forward. Right. Let's look at another example here. First Samu- Samuel 23. So, we have King David, and he goes. He's, he's went to the he went to the city of Kila to fight against and defeat uh, the Philistines. At the same time, he is also running from King Saul because Saul wants to kill him. So David goes to Kila, and Saul learns that David's in Kila, and he decides to take an army to go and destroy David. David hears about this, He hears about Saul's plan, and so David goes and inquires of the Lord about what is going to happen here in the future. David goes to God to get a prophetic word. He needs to know what's going to happen in the near future. So here it is in Samuel 23. Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Kilah to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting to harm, harm against him, and he said to Abithar, the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Kilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kilah surrender me and to his hand, will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. And David said, will the men of Kailah surrender me and my men to the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Kila, and they went wherever they could go. And when Saul was told that David had escaped from Kila, he gave up the expedition. Now, none of what God predicted to David came to pass. None of it. Why? Did God lied to David? Well, we know God's incapable of lying. So, what happened? God told David what was going to happen in the future, and then none of it happened. Why? Because David had a choice in all of it. David had a part to play, and whether he stays and everything comes true, or he leaves and none of it comes true. David chose to leave and experience none of what God said would happen. So, likewise, we have a part to play in prophetic words, whether it's personal whether it's for this church, whether it is for our nation. Failed prophecies don't always lead to false prophets. Sometimes they point to faithless followers like the tribe of Judah. Sometimes what we think is guaranteed because it came through a prophetic word is not as guaranteed as we think. If we think that just because a few people prophesied that Trump would win a re-election that it's guaranteed, then we are deceived. And here's why. God is not going to force millions of people to become robots and, a vo- and vote against their free will. But equally, just because of uh, just because millions of people didn't vote for Trump, it doesn't mean that God did not make His will known that Trump should have been reelected. Both sides are open. And again, I'm not making a case that. Uh, we the prophet's missed it or not that's not my that's not my point today my point is that we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater we can't judge prophetic people or the prophetic gift wonder if it's even real anymore simply by what appears to be some failed prophecy we have a part to play in most prophetic words Most prophetic words are conditional. I hope this sounds reasonable. I hope I'm making a really strong case against labeling everything and everyone as a false prophet if things don't turn out the way they, like what they said it would. I hope that we will not lose our reverence and respect for a true gift that comes from God. That's what I want to protect today. That's what I'm here to talk about. I hope that we don't throw all prophecy and all prophetic gifts and prophetic people out of our lives because of what looks like some failed prophecies. Now let me get personal with you. Pull your toes in. If you've lost all hope and you believe that God cannot change America without Trump, then you have slipped into idolatry. Trump is now an idol in your life. If you are devastated emotionally because all your prophetic people got it wrong and you're considering no longer believing in the gift of prophecy then you have made the prophetic an idol. You have elevated the prophetic to the same level of authority as the word of God. And if you use this moment in our history to judge every prophet who got it wrong about Trump as a false prophet and therefore believe we should abandon prophetic ministry, I just want to caution you in something. When we judge prophetic ministry harshly and we want to kill it and end it, I want to, I want to caution us because we could be close to opening a door to the Jezebel spirit. Because Jezebel wants to kill and murder the prophets. So why did it possibly why did the Trump prophecies fail? I'm going to give you some context here. Maybe you can take it, you can leave it. Because again, I'm not not saying they should have, I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying here's some reasons why it could have went the way it went. Number one, maybe they didn't fail, and it's a timing issue. All right? Technically, Trump could run again for re-election in four years. Technically, he could be re-elected. That could all be true. That's one possibility. Number two, maybe Trump disqualified himself. God opposes the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Scripture is clear. That even when God Himself chooses a leader, that if that leader fails to lead according to God's ways, then God can and will remove them. Maybe Trump's pride and arrogance became too much, and God had to say no to what originally was a yes. It's possible. Number three, maybe the church in America did not cooperate and do their part. Again, remember, most prophecies have two parts. There's God's part, and there's our part. And let me remind you that the body of Christ is diverse. Many in the church had no faith that Trump should have been president even if it was God's will, and I'm saying if, even if it was God's will, God is not going to override our free will. And then the number four, it's my last one. There's probably 10 more. Maybe the prophets just got it wrong. It's possible they missed it maybe in their excitement and their enthusiasm for what they believed God was doing maybe they prophesied out of their zeal out of their own desires i don't know i don't know for sure i don't know what was in their hearts so i can't i can't make that judgment i'm just speculating why things could have went the way they did i don't have the gift of reading people's thoughts Jesus had that gift. I don't have it. But it is a possibility possibility that the prophets got it wrong. Now again, I am not going to tell you what to think about these subjective prophetic words. I'm only offering a few reasons why. Possible reasons why prophecy sometimes fails. What I am saying is that we cannot throw out the baby with the bathwater. We cannot allow this moment to diminish or destroy a legitimate gift and gifted people that God has given to the church for edification, exhortation, and for comfort. Do you say amen to that? All right, so here I'm going to help you with some action steps. So what do we do with failed prophecy in our own lives? This is probably more appropriate than anything to do with the election. Well, here's what you do. If you want to take a picture, go for it. So again, let me walk you through this. If the prophetic word doesn't confirm, number one, in your spirit, or it is contrary to the Bible, you have one response. You forget it. Okay? Did you hear what I said? Yeah. If, it, if you don't have a confirmation in your spirit, or it goes against the Word of God, you forget it. Amen. You just walk away. You yeah. do not. It's that simple. Listen. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> Everybody listen right up here. I know there's movement. This is important. This is important. You have no obligation or responsibility to listen or obey a prophetic word that doesn't sit well with you. Amen. And in one that does not, you can't find scriptural support for that thing. No obligation. Walk away. Now, if you do feel it was from the Holy Spirit. And ask the Lord if there is something that you failed to do to cooperate with it. Have you lost faith that it would happen? Uh, do you think maybe you sinned too much and now I can't, you know, this is, I'm disqualified. Well, if that's the case, then you ask for forgiveness. If you have a part to play, you ask for forgiveness for not doing your part. And then you re-engage with the prophetic word. Maybe that's not the issue. And Then you ask the Lord if it's a timing issue. God, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'm going to be honest. When I get the really good prophetic words, I'm like, and that's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> right, God? That would make me so happy that this happens like soon as I walk out to the car. You may have wanted or expected your prophetic word to happen by now, but it is possible that it's still in the future. Okay? So it could be a timing issue. Next, did you misinterpret your prophetic word? Maybe you thought it meant one thing, and then that thing never happened. If that's the case, then you need to go and ask a trusted leader to help you process the meaning of your prophetic word. You sit down with someone, you say, hey, I, I thought this was, I, none of this happened the way I thought it was supposed to happen. And you sit down and you get that feedback. And then, if you've gone through all possibilities and it's truly a failed prophecy, then you forgive the person or the persons for not getting it right. You have to forgive them. If you don't, then bitterness will build in your heart. You'll spread it to others and you'll start to uh, passively dismantle prophetic ministry. Now, here's another slide if you want to take a picture. If you received a failed prophecy in this church after you have forgiven that person or those people privately in your own heart you need to go to the person or persons that gave you that prophetic word and kindly everyone say kindly kindly Kindly. Kindly let them know that what they said didn't happen and here's why If those of us who prophesy never receive feedback on the words that were right, (laughs) that did come to pass, and the words that were wrong, then we can never grow. We can't learn and grow from those experiences. Let those who minister prophetic words know they got it right. Please. Please let them know. But also, please let them know if they got it wrong. I mean, if I said, hey, you're going to have a dream and an angel's going to visit you in seven days, guess what's going to happen on day eight? It happened or it didn't. It's the only way we're going to grow. Now, if you are in this place and you gave a prophetic word and it failed, and you know about it, it's your responsibility to go clean up your mess and ask for forgiveness. Even if you don't think you were wrong, it's always okay to ask for forgiveness. If you gave a a failed prophetic word, take that prophetic word you spoke and process it with the Lord and process it with some trusted leaders and, f- and, and ask for some input on how you can do better the next time. Humility will always win hearts. Humility will always keep the prophetic gift flowing. Pride in demanding that you were right will quench the Holy Spirit every time. It's better for us to be told the word didn't happen and ask for forgiveness than allow the Lord, and then allow the Lord to bring justice. Okay? Your word was wrong and it didn't happen. Okay, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And then you leave it in God's lap. It is to bring justice or vindication or, or make it to happen. We do that instead of pride, instead of refusing uh, to ask for forgiveness. Because listen, pride can only harm the prophetic gift. And that hurt person will likely never accept it or experience it ever again. Because what you did left such a bad taste in their mouth. Humility. Everyone say humility. Humility. Humility will keep you and others open to the grace that God gives us to speak on His behalf. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to pray. Father, I just I want to want to thank you God that you you trust us so so much that you call us to speak on your behalf God whether it's preaching or teaching or prophesying God just thank him for that, those grace gifts right now. Just say thank you, Father, for those grace gifts that you give us through the Holy Spirit. God, we appreciate them. We thank you for them, God. We welcome them and we encourage them, God. But God, if there has been any judgments in our hearts against prophetic ministry and prophetic words and, and people, God, we just I ask God that humility would come upon us today, Lord. Yes, there are false prophets and false teachers, God. And you make them known because they drive us away from you. They look, they're, they're not actually Christians. They're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, as Jesus said. They're not true followers, God. And we know that they are out there, but God, we, we want you, Father, to, to show us the authentics. Because that's how we learn what the real is, by seeing the real. Not just looking at the counterfeit, God. So open our eyes, help us to see, God. And Father, forgive us for our judgments. I pray for humility, God, to be upon us. I pray for the prophetic gift to continue to flow in our lives, God. Whatever happened, Lord, with the election, it's it's in the past, God. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, God. Forgive us if we have made Trump an idol. Forgive us if we have made the prophetic an idol, God. Forgive us, Lord. God, help us to be humble. Help us to be teachable. We submit to your will and we submit to your ways. We thank you for it, God.